She took eBay from a 30-person startup to multi-billion dollar powerhouse, then ran a hard, expensive race for California governor and lost. Now, Meg Whitman faces what may be her most ambitious challenge yet, turning around the struggling Silicon Valley icon, Hewlett Packard. Her solution to split the company in two, perhaps the biggest separation in the history of American business. Joining me today on Studio 1.0, HP CEO and Chairman Meg Whitman. Thank you so much for joining us. It's really an honor to be here with you, so thank you so much oh, for doing welcome. this. you're welcome. I'm glad to be here. I'm an admirer of your show. Oh, thank you. We're at HP Discover. This is your annual tech conference, and this is your last Discover as one HP. Is it a little bittersweet for you? It is a little bittersweet because this company has been together for so many years but I have confidence that this is the right thing to do because our markets are changing at lightning speed. Frankly, these are two different businesses. It allows us to be more agile, more focused, more responsive to customers. So, I'm, you know, it's, it's a landmark. It's a moment in history, but I'm really optimistic about the future. What do you think the biggest challenge is going to be of being two separate companies? Well, first is we have to get to being two separate companies, and this is an enormous undertaking. This is the biggest separation that has ever occurred, as far as I know, in American business. Then once we get there, you know, we have to launch these two companies successfully um, with two new leadership teams, with two new boards of directors, um, with, in many ways, clean sheeting two new Fortune 50 companies. But I think we're well set up. You know, you never know until you actually get there, but I feel like we've done everything in our power to, to get this done right. When did you start seeing the split as the right choice? Yeah. I joined almost three and a half years ago, actually almost four, I guess, in September. And the very first thing I did was say that we were not going to spin the PC division. I don't know if you remember that, but I my predecessor had said, I think we ought to spin PCs. Not printers, but just PCs. And my very first decision was to whether I thought that was a good idea or not. And I decided it was not a good idea because I felt this company needed to bed down, get organized, have continuity of leadership, get the right strategy, really invest in R&D. And I look back now, and even if we had wanted to at that time, I'm not sure we could have pulled off this separation. So we embarked on our five-year turnaround journey, made a lot of progress, so we've repaired the balance sheet. And I said to the board, late last spring, I said, okay, how do we accelerate this turnaround? And so after many, many board meetings, a lot of discussion with the senior leadership team, we said it makes sense to actually separate these two companies so we can be more focused and more agile and frankly have a capital structure that is right for the markets that these two companies will pursue. Was it difficult to convince them? Was it difficult to get certain executives or the board on side? It's a journey that you go through. You know, you surface the idea, you talk about it, you run different scenarios, you have other meetings, and the board was fantastic. I mean, they did exactly what boards are supposed to do. They questioned, they made, they asked for more data. I mean, it was a very interactive process, and we brought everyone along together to the right place. You know, obviously Michael Dell saw something in taking Dell private. Others said you could have broken up the company even more. Did you consider all of the possible scenarios? So we considered, we, yeah, we considered a lot of different possibilities, but decided that we wanted to continue to be public, a public company because we wanted our shareholders to get a chance to, to have that shareholder value creation. So you might recall our stock price got as low as 11 to $12. And then we built the company back up and our shareholders and frankly our employees got to share in that value creation. And so I think that that will happen again here. 
and at least over the longer term. You're going to become the CEO of, of, of Hewlett Packard yep. Enterprise. Yep. Um, and I'm curious how you came to that decision because it's, it's a more diverse but also more unpredictable set of businesses. Uh, HP Inc. plays a bit more to your consumer strengths. How, do you, how did you make that decision? Was yeah. it kind of like picking a favorite child? Part of this, dis this decision is you know, who is in what spot and who do you have um, on the team that can step up. And my view was Dion Weisler was an incredibly talented executive. He'd spent many, many years in the PC business. He had learned the print business. I admired Dion a lot, and I thought he will be perfect for HP Inc. And then I said, you know, I love the enterprise business. It hasn't been what I've done for 25 years, but I now know the business. I love the business, and I love the dynamic nature of it. And for management continuity, I mean, what ailed HP? a number of years ago was management turnover, too much management turnover. You're going to be chairman of HP Inc. How does that work in practice? Like, say HP Inc. wants to do a deal with EMC or some other company. What we have said is we did not create these two companies to compete with one another. We created these two companies to go after new opportunities that only they can pursue. So at least for some period of time, we've got well-defined swim lanes. So HP Inc. will be all over 3D print, all over immersive reality will be focused on converged infrastructure, software-defined data center, our services business, helping customers take their IT infrastructure from where it is today to where it has to be. So there's plenty of greenfield space for these two customer, these two companies, and I don't think it makes sense really to you know, try to eat the other company. We ought to go out and take share from our competitors. Has it been harder than you thought? Like, Have you had moments where you thought, I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> this is hard. So it is hard, um, and I think whenever you come into a turnaround, um, and I've done a couple of them, that it's always harder than you think. And even though I was on the board, you find out things that you couldn't really see as a board member. So it has been tough because the company had been through a lot. And, um, but it just takes perseverance. You know, you get up every morning and you fight the good fight and you win hearts and minds of HP people and you restore the confidence of customers and partners. So it's been hard, but it's been really gratifying. And I have to say, relative to running for governor, this is easy. <laughs> <laughs> You've mentioned you spend a lot of time with your CEO colleagues. I wonder in the last few years, who's been the best counsel? Who's yeah. given you good advice? Gosh, a number of people. So. Um, P&G, which is a big customer of ours. A.G. Laffley has been a great counselor to me. I sit on the P&G board. Jim McNearney at Boeing has been a great counselor to me. Howard Schultz at Starbucks, you know, I've known Howard. He was one of my earliest board members at eBay, so he's someone I talk to quite a bit. Like, what kinds of things have they said? You know, listen, turnarounds are difficult. Howard did one at Starbucks. I read his book on the turnaround, and, and so we compared notes. You mentioned that you might grab a coffee with eBay CEO John Donahoe, yes. who's also uh, going through yes. this. Did you, did you grab that coffee, and how did it go? He has done a great job with eBay. I'm really proud of John and what he's done. And so it turned out, just completely coincidentally, that we were splitting these companies at the same time. I mean, what is the chances that that has happened? So yes, we compared notes um, through the whole process. You know, what was he learning? What was I learning? You know, what could, what could we both do better through a shared experience? Top line revenue has declined yep. year over year for the last 15 quarters. When does HP get back to growth and how, and, and where do you see most of the growth coming from? Yeah. So we've made progress on this dimension from you know, high single-digit declines to this year, what we told the analysts at our last earnings call, it would be flat to down 1%, which 
is not what we aspire to, but it is such an improvement over four years ago. So, you know, I would hope that over the next year or two, we would be able to demonstrate that revenue growth. Now, of course, we'll be two different companies, so it'll be a little harder to, to measure. But listen, we have to be able to grow these two companies because you can't cut your way to greatness. You have to be able to, um, to grow. So that is the objective of both companies. But listen, on the Hewlett Packard Enterprise, we're excited about converged infrastructure. We're very excited about the software defined data center. We're excited about our services. So that's business. where you see most of the growth coming I from? I do. And then, of course, our software portfolio. On the HP Inc. side, we're excited about 3D print. It's at its most nascent stage, but boy, this could be a big business. We're excited about immersive computing and um, actually excited about our core print business because, you know, often people say, well, print's dead. No, 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 print is not dead. People aren't printing as home as much, but I don't know about your office. Everyone's still printing. <laughs> right, oh, yes. So, <laughs> there I'm, you go. I'm still printing, for sure, for sure. It's interesting you mentioned software. We're seeing a lot of companies turning to software to grow their bottom line. Apple and IBM are making a huge push into the enterprise. How do you compete with that, and, and what are you doing in the in the in the software portfolio yeah. at HP? Well, ours is ours is more, um, if you will, system software, software that helps run your data center. So you don't see them, Apple and IBM, as a competitor. It's um, IBM, yes, in in many cases. Apple a little bit different. Mm. Apple is more about the devices in the enterprise and they would very much like to get into the enterprise and, and we obviously need to defend. More on the HP Inc. side than the Hewlett Packard Enterprise side, but we need to defend. But let me give you a perfect example. As you migrate, let's say you are a CIO, as you migrate your infrastructure to the next generation of infrastructure that's going to be required for you to be cheaper, faster, more nimble, the ability to write applications in a new environment, cloud native and mobile, um, it's going to be important for you to have arch orchestration, monitoring software, everything has to be automated today. And so we have those kinds of opportunities in our software portfolio. So we play in quite specific areas of software that's a little different than you know, ERP systems, you know, like an Oracle or SAP or Salesforce. That's not really our market. What about the cloud? What is HP's strategy when it comes yeah. to the public cloud? Are you going to be a cloud or sell to the cloud? And do you plan to take on Amazon yeah. and Google? So our public cloud offering is really not designed to compete with Azure or AWS or, or Google. What we see most enterprises wanting to do is not to put everything in a public cloud. So if you want only convenience, you might go to a public cloud, but if you want security, you want to be in a private cloud. And so our strategy is hybrid cloud, your cloud the way is that is right for your company and your industry. There's been a lot of deals happening, Avago, yeah. Broadcom, wow. Intel, Altera. Do you see a segment broadly at HP that could be transformed by yeah, M&A? Yeah. So I think why you're seeing a bit of, quite a bit of increase in M&A activity is our industry is changing. You know, about every 10 to 15 years in technology, I see tectonic plate shifts. I would say web 1.0 to now mobility and web services. We're on the cusp of another enormous change. And when that happens, the, the industry rearranges itself. And I think that's what you're seeing. So we are back in the M&A game now that we have repaired our balance sheet. So we will augment our core 
um, innovation that we do internally, what we call organic innovation with M&A, but we want to be smart about it. You mentioned tectonic shifts. Do you think we're going to see more consolidation in the industry? I do think you will see more consolidation. That's typically what happens when industries get disrupted and dislocated. I can't tell you how that will play out. But I'm not entirely surprised at um, you know some of the of the M&A that you've seen in recent weeks. Any sectors that you would point out where you think it might happen? So I think there's two kinds of um, M&A. One is, as you point out, consolidation of big existing players. But there's also all these new startups that are coming up that are either going to go public and be great independent standalone companies or going to become part of bigger companies. So we have to be you know, watching and, and thinking about what the right thing for us is in both those areas. What do you think about valuations? I mean, do things seem expensive to you right now? So certainly in the startup environment in Silicon Valley, it seems expensive to me. But I will say, if you find a company that's completely disruptive and has a chance to take big share from an incumbent, those valuations might be worth it. But we're quite disciplined buyers. You know, we need, we understand that these acquisitions for the most part need to be accretive. We have to be responsible to our shareholders. Mark Andreessen is the guy who got you into this yes. position in the first place. Uh, do you consult with him about what's going on in startups? Mark's been a great counselor to me and actually to the company. And he still sits on the HP board and provides a tremendous perspective. And Mark and a couple of other board members have their fingers on what's going on in the Valley. And we're very fortunate to be there because we see what's going on too. Are you glad you took him up on the uh, offer? I am glad. <laughs> I mean, you know, there were a few days where I sort of said, Mark, um, you know, what were you thinking? But it's been, it's been a really tremendous experience and, and a privilege in many ways. I think it matters what happens to these storied companies, these great American icons. I think it matters what happens to HP in Silicon Valley. It matters to California. I would argue it matters to the United States and, frankly, to the world. So we have such a big footprint that we matter to communities around the world. And, and I think that's a responsibility that we have to take very seriously. You've talked about a billion dollars in restructuring costs, an additional two billion potentially in, in the services area. When does the cost cutting end and when does yeah. the, the restructuring end? This is yeah. a company that's been restructuring for many years yes. before you even yes. got here. So we, um, I think, are have come a long way to getting our cost structure in line with our revenue trajectory. But nothing is worse for companies than having an uncompetitive cost structure because then you don't win deals. And so you are in this downward cycle. You have a cost structure that's too high, so you don't win deals, so then you have to keep on shrinking. So do you think 2018 it will end? So, you know, it's hard for me to predict. Um, I think we've got the next three years mapped out really well, but it's a dynamic industry. And um, I think when industry is changing as fast as ours, it's really hard to make predictions. When it comes to jobs, jobs have been cut, 55,000 yes, jobs have been have. cut. Uh, can you give us an idea how many more there will be? I know you've said there will yeah. be more down the pike. We're not entirely sure because it, it will depend on, you know, how these two companies do as separate companies. But there will be some more restructuring costs as we continue to be, you know, effective and lean and, and competitive on the world stage. What I know is if we don't get our cost structure right, these, this, this won't be the, the happy ending that we all know it can be. So we make the tough decisions and we do it in the best possible way we can. It is the hardest thing I do as a CEO, but I have to have the good of the company 
and our customers in mind as we make these decisions. Do you see job creation as part of this strategy? So it's interesting, yes, because of course we're shedding jobs in some areas, but hiring in others. We're hiring in cloud. We're hiring in, um, you know, empowering a data-driven enterprise. We're hiring in security. How much time have you spent with Satya Nadella, and do yeah. you see more opportunities to work more closely with Microsoft? Yes. But I think he's done a marvelous job. And we actually have quite a close relationship with them. Um, I think it was announced yesterday that we won their um, 2015 Partner of the Year Award. So we're really proud of that. We have a great partnership on our, on our personal systems business. We're excited about the launch of Windows 10. So I think the partnership between HP and Microsoft is as strong as at least I've seen it since I've been at the company. Do you find it troubling that there are still so few women in Silicon Valley and especially in leadership positions? I think we can always do better. If I take industry as a whole, and tech is a little bit behind here, but my class at Princeton had you know, less than 20% women. The same was true at Harvard Business School. Those classes are now 50% women. So part of this is simply generational. But part of this is you know, making sure that women know they can have a great career and have a family and do some other things. Technology is a little bit more slow. And I would say there's a couple of reasons why. It goes back to we have to get girls interested in science, technology, engineering, and math. Is there anything in particular that you've done at HP or, or you've done at HP and, yeah. and eBay before where you tried to address these issues? Yeah. First of all, we really work hard to make sure that we get a diverse group of entering um, employees. Listen, we just had to build two new boards. We needed to make sure these boards were diverse. And what I will tell you is unless you work at it, it doesn't actually happen. What advice do you have you know, in terms of overcoming the toughest, the toughest obstacles yeah. that you faced? So I think, first of all, you have to have confidence in yourself. And you have to find something that you love to do. Listen, I lost a very well-publicized race for governor. You know, really painful. And, um, but I picked myself up and dusted myself off and you know, had a chance to run one of the great companies. You've talked about the strong dollar has hurt HP and other businesses that are big abroad. Should there be a policy response to this? Would HP consider a bond sale? Listen, this is um, far bigger than HP. This is all around the global economy and where people feel safe putting their money. My view is we have to react to the situation in which we find ourselves. We are not going to be able to influence global currencies. and. My view is the dollar's going to remain strong for a bit. I don't know how long. I don't know if it goes to parity or if it stays where it is or, or gives up some ground. But when you run a big company, you've got to be able to manage it. So and, would you consider a bond sale? You know, probably not at this juncture. Um, you know, we will be refinancing the debt of HP when we split into two companies. And it's very frustrating in many ways because, you know, we're on such a great path and if we hadn't had this currency I think you know we'd, we'd have a lot more degrees of flexibility but it is what it is. There's a presidential election happening. Former HP CEO Carly Fiorina yeah. is running. Um, many other candidates. Are there any candidates that you like? I think there's a lot of good candidates running and um, we'll see how this sorts out. There's a lot of Republican candidates. I mean it's sort of there's a new one every day and what I would say is we should be really grateful for people who want to run for public office. We need great candidates. We need a diversity of backgrounds. And I will tell you from personal experience, it's not easy. So what's next for you? I mean, how long do you see yourself doing yeah. this? What, what would you want to do after HP? 
gee, I don't know. You know, <laughs> I have to say, um, I've stopped giving project, you know, um, sort of, you know, forecasts around this. And I never dreamed I would run for governor. And I also said, I probably will never be another CEO. So you never know where life will take you, twists and turns and, you know, so we'll see. But how much longer do you see yourself doing this? Yeah, you know, I don't honestly know. Um, I'm excited to get these two companies off on a great path. I've made a commitment to both HP Inc. and Hewlett Packard Enterprise, and I will see this through. I think you know I love a challenge, so. All right, Meg Whitman, CEO of HP, thank you so much for joining us. It's thank been you. really great Thank to you have for you. coming to HP Discover. And good luck. Thank you. <laughs>